0: Alrighty, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's look there and let's begin reading in verse number 9. Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9. Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Spirit, but is touching brotherly love. You need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren... That ye increase more and more. That ye increase more and more. And that ye study to be quiet, to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them which are without, and that ye have lack of nothing. Father, speak, I pray, to our hearts through your word, and may we... May we take that which you have taught us to love one another and as your word has said, may we increase more and more. If there's an area in our life we need to grow in, it's in this area of love and your word has shown us that. Bless this final Sunday that we focus upon this and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All my heart, all my heart, Heart. That's our theme for this month, and we've been studying the more and more. I want you to do this more and more. The Bible said those statements in the Bible have been the focus of our morning messages, and each one has connected us with God's desire for you and I to love more and more, to love Him more and more, to love others more and more. And in our previous three messages, we talked first of all about the fact that love is internal. It's internal. It's given to us by God, who is our source of love. We could not love if it were not for God. All love comes from God. God doesn't think about loving or strive to love us. He loves us because God is love. He loves us because of who He is. And He sheds that love abroad in our hearts so that we can become conduit through which we love other people. He loves other people through us. We become the vehicle that carries the love of God and the light of God and His gospel into a darkened world that's desperately looking for love in all the places. Love is internal. His love is in you if you're saved and He wants to flow His love through you. Not only is love internal, but we found out that love is intelligent. So God wants us to grow he wants our love to grow in knowledge and in judgment. That's what the scripture says in the earlier part of 1 Thessalonians. He, won't, he, 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 he desires that our love grow more and more in knowledge and in judgment. So God doesn't want us to use foolish love. You don't love somebody by fueling their sinful ways. That's not love. Love is sometimes confrontational. It's... It's blunt sometimes. It it hurts sometimes. The doctor did not take the cancer out of me because he hated me. He did it because he was trying to save my life. Sometimes with our children and even with, with our mates, we have to be blunt with each other because we're trying to save the person we love from the tragedy of their own choices and the pain of, of their own sinfulness. And so love's intelligent love. Love isn't some blinded emotion that pushes us away from God. Love helps us make discerning, intelligent, smart decisions that bring us into fellowship with God. That's true love. Love sharpens us, in other words. Then last week we discussed the fact that love was industrious. It's deeper than words. It expresses itself. It shows itself. It's always looking for a way in which it can evidence itself. It's love that is industrious. It's expressive. 1 John four twenty. If a man say, remember that verse? If a man say that he loves God and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. It's Pretty blunt, pretty hard, pretty straight. If a man say it, well, our problem is we think because we say it, it's so. That's not so. Just because we say it doesn't make it so. If a man say he loves God, well, whoopee, That's a Greek word that means not so, or not soeth. But anyhow, um, look, look. you can say you love God, but if you hate your brother, God says you're a liar. God doesn't, God doesn't pat us on the back when we're not being honest and truthful. Words mean nothing. Nothing. Words mean nothing if they're not supported by our actions and our attitudes. Saying it doesn't make it so. But whoso hath this world's goods, the scripture says again in 1 John chapter 3, if he's, hath, who's, who's got this, this world's goods and seeth his brother in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That reciprocal reciprocal question The answer is the love of God does not dwell in him. If you see somebody and they've got a need and you've got the answer to their need and you're aware of their need and you don't supply their need, you don't reach out to them in compassion, but you just shut your compassion off from them, how does God's love dwell in you? It can't be expressed because it doesn't dwell there. So our talk doesn't talk as loud as our walk talks. Your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And so the question is simply this do we desire, do we desire God to touch others through his love through us? If that's our desire, God will certainly do that. So in our text this morning, we read the final more and more scripture that we'll be covering this month as touching verse. Chapter 4, look at the verses again. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now listen, if you're saved inside of you, you can reject it, push it aside, and become cynical, critical, bitter, crusty, obnoxious, abrasive. You can choose that kind of a life. But if the Spirit of God lives within you, love lives within you. You have no need, Paul said, there's no need for me to write. I don't don't have to expound on this, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, you do it, he said. You're you're doing that toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but, but we beseech you, do it more and more. Increase more. Don't be satisfied with how you express the love of God. Have a desire to be more and more increasingly expressive of God's love in your life. It doesn't cost you a dime to love people, to be kind, to be the vehicle through which God flows His love. The love didn't originate with you to start with. It originated with Him. You're just the newsboy. You didn't write the news. You're delivering the news. You didn't create the love. You're expressing love that He's placed within you. And he'll help you with that. Now let me just say a couple of things here as we move forward. First of all, true love isn't accidental. Okay? True love is not accidental. Not really. Now the circumstances that brought you together could very well appear to be accidental. You may say, hey, it was just happen chance. <laughs> I know she's going to be there. And there I was, and there she was, and boom, we saw each other, and my word it seems as though fate had a hand in this well who is fate the reality of the matter is is that god knew where you would be and 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 it, it it's not really true love isn't really left up to fate there has to be more to it than just chance it's not some mythical not some mythical karma out there that makes the choice for you and suddenly you find yourself being pulled down this rapid, you know, river of emotion and you had nothing to do with it. No, you made a choice to go in that direction. You made a choice, ultimately, to be in love and and it's good. In Western culture, we experience love through the falling in love uh, experience in our life. That's That's how we view love. It's the falling in love process. We say that we fell in love. We say that we're falling in love because our emotions are leading us downstream to the precipice, the waterfall, from which we will never recover from. So we meet somebody this is a sad group today. I look I look I know this is deathly ill Sunday, but please lighten up a little bit. We meet somebody and 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 we're attracted to them and we're drawn by a rush of chemicals that just overwhelms us, and we get to a place our brain, our emotions, everything is just, just in full swing, full speed ahead, and it means that two people have something that they call chemistry, such a feeling's coming over me, there is wonder in most everything I see, not a cloud in the sky, got the sun in my eyes. And I won't be surprised if it's a dream. Everything I want the world to be is now coming true, especially for me. And the reason is clear. It's because you are here. You're the nearest thing to heaven that I've seen. I'm on the top of the world, looking down on creation. And the only explanation I can find is the love that I've found ever since you've been around. Your love has put me on the top of the world. I just came up with that. It was just something that just came to my mind. It was a poem. I'm just poetic. Karen Carpenter used to croon that song in The Top of the World. Chemistry will make you feel like you are on the top of the world and that you will never come off the high that you're feeling down deep in your heart. But there's a problem. There's a problem with that. The problem is that psychologists who study relationships tell us that a romantic obsession, the lifespan of a romantic obsession is two years. If it's a romantic obsession, you're going to fall in love, you're going to be swept off your feet, and then two years later you're going to look and say, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And the chemicals are gone. And the obsession is gone. It could happen before two years, by the way. Maybe you dated a year, got married. I'm just simply saying, sometime in that time frame. Well, preacher, you know, is that true? Well, there's statistics that back it up. Sixty percent of all divorces take place within two years of the marriage altar. Sixty percent of everybody that divorces do so within two years. It means that they fall in love, they have the chemical rush, they're obsessed with each other, they walk down an aisle, they say, I do, I will, and then two years later, they say, I wish I hadn't. Okay? So it seems to me, from the study of things, that it's it's just as likely to fall out of love as it is to fall in love, And thats I think that's important. Now those early days, listen to me, those early days are exciting. There's the rush, there's the ride, there's the thrill. It's, it's, it's exciting. And, and the, the being in love is crazy exciting. It's all the phone calls. Nowadays, all the texts, all the emails. All of that, those are exciting days. But that euphoria is something that has to be maintained and worked on. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Listen carefully. Having chemistry in your marriage is not like having red hair. Okay? You either have it or you don't. You got red hair. Wow. I got chemistry. Wow. No, that's not. You have to work on it. The things that attracted us to each other are the things that should continue to attract us to each other But it's not going to be the innocent rush. It's things that must be maintained. They must be worked on. And it must be very, very important to keep those things up. So, I just want you to know that love isn't accidental. Not true love. It may begin that way. Listen, it may begin that way. Listen, it may begin that way, but it will die on you. If you do not work, constantly and perpetually at maintaining that in your life. So that brings me to my second point, and that's simply this. If love isn't accidental, then what is love? Well, my second point is this. Love is a choice. It's always a choice that's involved. It's always a choice that's involved. Matthew 22, um, uh, in verse 37 and 38, 39, Jesus said this. Now think about what he said. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy what? Mind. Okay? All thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. And this is the first commandment with promise, he says. Now watch this. And thou shalt love thy neighbor. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So here's what God said. You've got to make a choice. Here's your first choice. Number one choice should be this. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love God. That's my choice. I'm just choosing, I'm going to love God. Now, can I just tell you, I was saved at the age of 12, and and I'm grateful for that, I'm very thankful for that. But if that's all I've got, I don't have a lot except for my salvation. What's, what's, What's beyond that salvation day? I heard the gospel, I responded, I got saved. Woo! It's great. No, no, no. What am I doing today? I should be choosing every day of my life to love God and express my love to God. And then he says this, love thy neighbor as thyself. So I've not only love my God, I've got to love my neighbor as myself. So do I choose to love God? Or do I choose to love my neighbor? It's a choice. It's a choice with our mates. It's a choice with our with with our, our neighbors. It's a choice with people on the job. It's a choice with our children. It's a choice with our parents. We choose. Love is a choice. When I when I first met Susie Q, I'll tell you the story. It was an instantaneous attraction. Not so much on her part as on my part. I worked hard at developing that. And she did not respond as I hoped she would. But it was instantaneous. I forgot all We were at a ball game in a gymnasium. I forgot all about the ball game. Couldn't care less about the ball game. I was focusing on this girl that came and sat right in front of us. And I was, you know, my great humor. I was cracking jokes and things, and she turned around and smiling, so looking like this guy's a nut. But anyhow, just, just, and so I followed her out of the gym into the that that foyer area that surround. I followed her out of that, and she was standing there waiting on her fiance. And I just thought she needs rescuing, and so I had struck up a conversation with her, and the conversation went basically nowhere. And uh, it, it just didn't go super well there. But I had seen her, and I had talked with her. So after that, basically, in Bible college, I, I stalked her and, uh, and, and looked for every opportunity that allowed me to see her. And then one of my friends set up a chance meeting where she was invited, and I was invited, and we met at the mall, and we all walked around the mall, and it wound up where just she and I was walking around the mall together. They were all doing their thing, and it was just her and I walking around the mall together. And, and I was crazy about her. I just couldn't get her out of my mind. I thought about her all the time, and, and I was smitten, and she was not at that point. She'd just broken up. Of course, I had too, but I had more discernment from God as to know his will. So I was trying to tell her that. Now, now, I want you to think with me for a moment. Listen to me. I was crazy about her then. But the crazy then and the fact that I'm still crazy about her now. I was crazy then, I'm crazy now. Between the two crazies is a lot of decisions to make it, to stick it out, to get over the disagreement for her to accept that she's wrong. it's a lot of, lot of times where, where that's happened. There, you know what? In the crazy then and the crazy now, I was just nuts then. I'm crazy for her now. You know what? There's been a lot of apologies. There's been a lot of I'm sorries. There's been a lot of would you forgive me. There's been a lot of I didn't handle that too well. There's been a lot of that over 40, August will be 45 years. Still crazy, in love, but there's a lot of glue. A lot of choices that has glued us together over these years. To to decide, we made a choice to weather the storm. Listen, we we made a choice. We made a choice to live we instead of me. When somebody lives me, the relationship is. It doesn't matter when the train wreck comes, the train wreck will come. Marriage is not me. <laughs> marriage is we. And when a person insists on the me in marriage, they, they automatically turn it toxic and the relationship will not survive. Now, it, 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 may, it may stay in survival mode for a while, but sooner or later... The marriage goes under. It just it just I've just seen it too many times. It it happens. Love can build a bridge. There's another song over our personalities, our quirks, our idiosyncrasies, the differences between us, not just male and female, but likes and dislikes. Love can build a bridge over those things. And get us beyond those, but we've got to make the choice for that to happen. The the Our meeting in the gym, I don't believe for one moment was accidental at all, but neither is our being together where we are all these 45 years later. It's not an accident. Love takes work. It's not easy. It's not easy. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that are put in it. And again, the sad and painful thing is if you're the only one struggling and striving for that, it's it's difficult. We live in a world that pulls and tears and tries to pry people apart and be aware of that and and be on the lookout. Now, let me say this. So love's not accidental. Love is a choice. And let me say third of all, this is important. Love is intentional. Okay? That's what this message is. Love is intentional. Intentional. It's something that's deliberate. It's something that. that, that let, let, can, can we do this? Let's step outside of the romantic arena for a moment. In, 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 and even in the romantic elite, uh, arena, love has to be intentional. But let's step out of that for, for just a moment and let's talk about our Christian obligation uh, to, to love. I, I think that the key, I think, and I say this to people all the time, I say it at marriage conferences, let me give you the key. Everybody wants the key. What's the key to a happy marriage? Could you share with us the key to a happy marriage? We're going to bring you in to be our marriage counselor speaker and conference speaker, and could you share with us the key to a happy marriage? Here it is. Be a good Christian. Be Christ-like. If husband and wife would be Christ-like toward each other, you've got a great marriage. It's when one or the other or both Cease to be good Christians and cease being Christ-like that marriages begin to disintegrate. So he said, as touching brotherly love, I need not write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and you're doing that to all the churches in Macedonia. You're You're a loving group of people. But he said this, I don't want you to be satisfied. I want you to increase yet more and more in what? Talent. Let's, 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 get, let's, let's do that. Now, you may have noticed today that half of our orchestra was missing. Nathan was doing pubs in the back. And so we only had half an orchestra. So here's what God wants to do. He wants to increase more and more. Let's get a cello, a violin, you know. Let, let's get some more. Let's, I want you to increase. I want you to increase in talent. You know what God wants us to have more than He wants us to have a new building is love. He doesn't say increase. Well, I'd like your finances to hit a level that that is staggering. Let's have, let's get five hundred thousand dollars. I hope somebody will write a check today. Let's get five hundred thousand dollars in our building program. And 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 I'm certainly I'm not against that. I'm just simply saying that what God wants more for us than a new building, a big orchestra. Uh, uh, a bank account that is there for anything and everything we want to do as a church, God wants us, the number one thing, I want you to increase more and more in love. I'd rather be known as a loving church than a big church. I'd like to have both, but if i got my choice, I'll take the loving part. I've been to big churches where people didn't even know each other and didn't want to know each other. And if they knew each other, they might not even like each other. I'm not interested in that. I don't want machinery. I'm not interested in machinery here. I'm interested in true ministry where we love each other. And that's what he's saying there. I want you to increase yet more and more. And he said, "You're you're... You're doing. So I want you to be intentional about loving other people. I want, you to, I want you to purpose in your heart to increase more and more in our love for each other. Now, I've done this in the past in our Bible study. But I want you to just stay there. I want you to hang on for just a moment. I want you to listen on purpose to what I'm going to read you because it comes straight from the Word of God. Okay? I want to give you verses. I want you to listen intently, intentionally on purpose. Focus on what God is saying to us. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment, Jesus said, I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. We're to love each other like Jesus loves us. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, in that ye have love one to another. It's great scripture. John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment. That ye love one another as I have loved you. John fifteen seventeen. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectioned one toward another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Romans 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law, Galatians 5:13, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. Ephesians 4:2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. First Thessalonians 3:12, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Hebrews ten, twenty-four. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another, listen, with a pure heart, Fervently, First Peter three eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. First John three eleven. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. First John three twenty two. And this is his commandment, that ye should believe on the name of his Son Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, wow, think of that, how sinful we are. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 1 John 4, 12, No man hath seen God at any time. If ye love one another... God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And then, 2 John 1, 5, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now, I don't know how God could speak any more clearly. I don't know of another subject in all of the Bible that God hits the nail on the head so many times as the subject of love. It's the theme of John's writings. It's so prominent in the teachings of Christ. God wants us to love one another. So here we say, okay, all right, preacher, I got you. Got you. I got, I got it down now. Okay. So God wants us to love one another. He wants us to love the brethren. Well, that's Okay. But I, it's the world. Love not the world. That's talking about the world system. So it's not talking about people in the world. For God so loved the world, but He says to us, Love not the world. What does that mean? How can He love the world, and yet we're told not to love the world? His love of the world, He's dealing with people in the world. The love He's talking to us about is the worldly system that's anti God, anti Christ. Outside of the bounds of moral decency, love not that part of the world. That's what He's saying to us. So what do we do with people in the world? How do we, how do we deal with obnoxious, lost, unsaved? we're told to love the brethren, OK? What about lost people? How do, how do we respond to them? Well, he says in Matthew 5, verse 43 and 44, Jesus says, "You have heard you've heard. Here's a, here's, this is what you've been taught. He's, he's un, remember, you't remember what he's doing. He's, he's unteaching them. He's unlearning them. You've learned this, but I'm going to teach you something different. He's done that in all of our lives, hasn't he? Every one of us came into this Christian life with preconceived ideas, and Jesus has said, you've heard it hath been said, but now let me tell you what I'm saying. So here it is. Ye have heard that it hath been said, John uh, Matthew 5, Thou shalt love thy neighbor... Hate thine enemies. Love, love your neighbor. It's okay to hate your enemy. If he's an enemy, you can, you can get him. You can go after him. But I say unto you, love your enemies. I don't like that verse, do you? Love your enemies. What about if somebody curses me? Okay. I, can I, it's okay now? They curse me. No. Bless them that curse you. Well, Lord, what if they hate me? What do I do if they, if they tell me they hate me? Do good to them that hate you. Well, what about people that use me? Pray for them that despitefully use you. You see, God gives us different responses as believers toward the lost world. Christian people ought not act this way. But the lost world is going to act like the lost world acts because they're lost. Don't be shocked. When a lost man acts like a lost man, an unsaved man will act like an unsaved man. You know why he acts like an unsaved man? Because he's unsaved. This is not for the believer. This is how the lost world. Now, let me close real quick and and just say this. If we're going to become who God wants us to become, if, if if we are going to become who God wants us to become and we're going to love people as God wants us to love people here's what we got first of all we've got to make the choice to be a loving person you you are you are who you choose to be preacher sure things have happened in my life no I, I know but you choose how to allow them to impact you you make a choice when I was a kid you know my daddy Never said he loved me, okay, well, is that who you want to be? When I was a kid, my mother ran off on us. was that Is that what you want to portray, or do you want to be different? You make a choice. You can walk just like your daddy walked, you can act just like your mama acted, or you can choose to be somebody entirely loving i 'm just saying we 've got all the excuses. everybody has at their disposal. Satan sees to that. everybody has at their disposal. a a satchel full of excuses as to why they are the way they are, but you can choose to be self-centered and critical, or you can make the choice to be loving and become the person that is the vehicle through which God delivers his love to other people. That's your choice. Nobody can make that choice for you. Second of all, not only do we have to make the choice to be a loving person, we have to determine to be intentional in the way that we express love. We've got to be intentional in the way that we express our love. If if we're going to love like God wants us to love, then we've got to seek ways in which to express that. We've got to be on the lookout for ways in which I can express love to God's love to other people. Okay? If if Ryan his car broke down, and he needs to get home. His truck just broke down in the parking lot. And this is a stupid and simple illustration. But that, there's a way that I can express love. I can just drive home and say, well, I hope he makes it. I say, hey, Ryan, I'll give you a ride home. I'll, I'll, be, glad to, I'll be glad to drive that way. You've got you to gotta look out for people. Sometimes it's, it's something very small. I think sometimes as Christian people, we want, the big, we want the big statement. We want the money statement. We want to make the statement that is the statement when somebody's going through a hardship. You know what? Sometimes the best statement you'll make is, I'm here. If you need me, I'm here. Sometimes it's an arm on a shoulder. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a whisper. I'm praying for you. Sometimes it's not really the big thing. It's just the presence of, of of your meeting whatever need they have. And then last of all, and I close with that, and this is so important. First of all, you gotta if you want to be that person, you've got to make the choice to be that loving person. If you're going to be that person, you've got to be intentional in your observation. You've got to be a need hunter. You've got to look for the needs in people's life that you can fill. And then last of all, you've got to run the risk of being hurt. you got to decide, okay? All right, I'll I'll do that. I'll do that. If I if 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 for me to be loving I'm going to get hurt. I'm willing to take the hurt in order to deliver the love. It's like it's like going into a bad part of town to deliver groceries to somebody that's starving. And you know by going there, chances are people are going to curse you and yell at you. I've been in this situation, by the way. You know, you know going in there, it's dangerous, and they're going to stare at you, and they're going, to, they're going to curse you and ask you what you're doing on their side of town. But you've got groceries to deliver. So you you got to decide to throw the groceries away or take the risk. And the world is the bad side of town, and so when you love people, you're going to get hurt. You take a chance on people. You risk, you risk, you risk yourself, your feelings for people. I've been doing this a long time, and 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 over the years, um, I've been burnt. I've been burnt by people that I trusted and sort of staked my reputation on a little bit, and they decided to take another turn. But that does not ever, please listen to me, that does not diminish the power of love and the sufficiency of grace one iota. We're too, listen, love is too big, grace is too powerful. There's no human being on earth. No matter how wicked they become or whatever choices they choose, they can never diminish the power of God's love. And so what do you do then? Well, you just move on. You you love. People reject it. Some people don't even want it. What do you do when you go to a door and somebody said, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. You don't want it? Well, I'm going home. No, what do you do? I find the next door. Because the guy in the next door may want what I'm handing out and may read it and get saved. So if, if, if somebody doesn't want what we've got or they're not interested in, in what we show in God's love, we don't curl up in a fetal position. We just keep loving. There's going to be a day when I'm going to stand before God God's not going to look at me and ask me, Son, how many times were you disappointed and hurt? What God's going to hold me accountable for is how deeply and how faithfully I loved him, first commandment, and how I loved my neighbor. Now, if my neighbor wants to slap me in the face, I I can't do anything but turn the other cheek. And just keep on loving because God's command to me is love me with all your heart, with all your soul with all make that choice, and then choose to love other people and when we do that in the long run it's it's worth it. I've delivered groceries to people before that were that were that were so hungry and i've I've been through situations getting those groceries there that, that, that was less than desirable. But you know what I found out? I found out that the thrill of being able to deliver the goods was worth the risk. Let's just love people. Let's be a... Let's just... Here's the thing. I spoke at Lancaster Wednesday night. We had a little meeting room where they got you, and they pray, and then you're going out into the auditorium, and, and they hooked me up with a microphone. And I said, "Is this thing on?" They said, it's, well, "You don't have to do anything; it's on. You don't have to push a button; it's on. The sound guys will control your volume when you get up there." This is what I said to them: "You tell the sound guys this thing better not be on when the singing is happening, because if it is, we're finna have a backdoor revival. Okay? People will be leaving." they're not going to be coming all of us can't sing all all of us don't have certain talents but the one thing every person in this room can do equally well we can make the choice to love and boy that's what we need to do let's pray, could we do that Lord what an amazing privilege just to love Just to love other people. And we're to love them as you loved us. That's the command. As I have loved you, so you should love other people. That's our mission. Is to spread your love, to show your love, to allow you to love through us. I pray you would help us to do just that. I pray that our church would be characterized by our love for other people. And may they sense that. May we express that to each other and to a world that desperately needs it. I pray that in the name of Jesus. As Chad plays on the piano right where you're at, why don't you just pray and say, Lord, help me? Show me somebody this week I can love. Show me how I can express love. Show me who to express love to. <clears throat> Help me to be loving, Father. we can express your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen.